Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This Day in Crime is released every day, Monday through Saturday. For ad-free listening and exclusive bonus content, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. Let's start the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Todd McComas, and I hope you're enjoying your weekend. For those of you who have been hit with these Arctic temperatures and snow, might I suggest getting drunk? In the safety of your own home, of course. I don't want you wandering off into the cold and losing a toe to frostbite. Trust me, I don't need that on my conscience. And speaking of consciences, let's join Jessica Knoll as she walks us through a case about a guy who didn't have one. Back in crime in the year 1975, a man is arrested for assault and burglary in the Hollywood Hills. From the time that man was arrested, the string of murders on Skid Row seems to come to an abrupt halt, at least those with the infamous signatures of the killer dubbed the Skid Row Slasher. Could it be a coincidence? Or is the man behind bars the same man behind the bloody blade? This is the story of Von Oren Greenwood. This story really begins in the year 1964. The country is still grieving President John F. Kennedy's assassination from the year prior. And when President Lyndon B. Johnson signs a Civil Rights Act into law abolishing racial segregation. Beatlemania is in full swing. And while the hit, A Hard Day's Night, blasts through radio speakers across the world, evoking dancing, along with screams and tears of fandom, in the heart of Los Angeles, California, two men meet their final Hard Day's Night. On November 13, 1964, a 64-year-old transient named David Russell is found dead on the steps of the downtown Los Angeles Public Library inside the perimeters of Skid Row. His throat is cut and he's been stabbed numerous times. Four days later, Benjamin Hornberg, a 67-year-old retiree, is found stabbed to death on the bathroom floor of the hotel he's living at on Skid Row. Their killer is never apprehended. Not yet, anyway. Von Oren Greenwood, who originally hails from Philadelphia, is living on the West Coast. However, following some run-ins with the law in Oregon and California, including a couple of years in prison for burglary, he makes his journey to the Midwest. It's June, 1965. 21-year-old Greenwood is a day laborer in Chicago living at the Grange Hotel on Madison Street, known as the Windy City's Skid Row. But it wouldn't be long before he adds a few more notches to his rap sheet here too. 
this time for murder. On June 28th, he's arrested and charged with two counts of murder for the slaying of two Skid Row residents. One is bludgeoned. The other victim is stabbed and his throat cut from ear to ear. But in 1966, he's found not guilty on one count and the prosecution drops the other charge. In February of the following year, Greenwood is arrested again, this time for aggravated battery for slashing two more transients. This time, he is convicted. And after serving five and a half years, he's released on January 3rd, 1973. Following his regained freedom, the now 28-year-old decides to make the cross-country trek again, back out west, leaving behind his violent crimes and Chicago's cold, harsh winters, and trading them in for sunny California. Los Angeles, California, the city of angels. Rows of swaying palm trees sprinkle the bottom of the Santa Monica Mountains, meeting up with miles of sun-kissed beaches that seamlessly drift into the glistening Pacific Ocean. With each wave, the water breathes, inhale and exhale, into the sand. It's home to the famous Hollywood royalty, movie stars, and all the glitz and glamour that goes with it. But just below the mounted hilltop Hollywood sign, hidden in the shadows, a devil is lurking among the angels. A few miles west sits downtown LA, where blocks of fashion, cuisine, and Fortune 500s are alive from nine to five. But after hours, inside the heart of the beautifully bustling city is an area known as Skid Row, and it's open 24-7. Spanning nearly 50 city blocks of downtown, Skid Row is home to about 10,000 people. Home for them means living on the streets, in alleys, or in inexpensive hotels and homeless shelters that line dozens of city blocks. While the area attracted male transient workers dating back to the 1870s, the population really expands in the early 1970s as soldiers start returning from the Vietnam War because as they start to trickle back home to the U.S., some find themselves jobless, homeless, and some are addicted to drugs or alcohol. In 1973, by all accounts, it's a community of despair filled with lost hope. But soon, something worse will override that hopelessness, fear. Hey, true crime listeners, I know at least some of us wish we could become a detective and find the clues to the case. But what if you could, in a mobile game that you can take with you anywhere? Well, now you can, with June's journey. Each scene leads to a new, thrilling storyline. June's sister has been murdered. Uncover the mystery and find out about their scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate. 
Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story that takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s and features a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. Sometimes I'll catch myself stuck in a hotel lobby and decide to dive into finding all of the hidden clues in June's journey, going from one scene to the next. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness! Here's the high stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. He ties the game at the buzzer. And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. The 2024 NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV continue on ABC. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. It's been a decade since the 1964 murders occurred here. But in December 1974, another victim is discovered in the same killing area where two men were found slain 10 years ago on Skid Row and the killer wouldn't stop with taking just one life. His rage would reign for several weeks, beginning on December 1st, 1974. 46-year-old Charles Jackson of Louisiana is found on the lawn of the downtown Los Angeles Public Library, the same spot David Russell was killed almost 10 years to the date. Seven days later, on December 8th, 47-year-old Moses Yakinak from Anchorage, Alaska is found dead in a Skid Row alley. But this time, the killer leaves behind a clue, a partial bloody footprint near the victim's head. On December 11th, 54-year-old Arthur Dahlstedt's throat is slashed, and he's found dead in a doorway of a vacant building in an alley. And just before Christmas, on December 22nd, 42-year-old David Perez is found just outside the library in the shrubs. Five partial footprints are found in the dirt around his body. And as the City of Angels rings in the new year, the killer claims a new victim. On January 9, 1975, a housekeeper at the Pickwick Hotel on Grand Avenue finds 58-year-old Kazimir Strawinski dead on the floor inside his room. Partial bloody shoe print is found on a sheet near his body and another on the hotel's roof. Police begin to see a pattern emerging. And then on January 17th, Robert Tex Shanahan, a 46-year-old truck driver from Texas, is found dead in his room at the McDonald Apartment Hotel. And once again, the killer leaves behind a bloody footprint 
this time on a magazine between the body and the doorway. And after slitting his throat, the killer leaves a butcher knife protruding from his side. And on January 27th, 40-year-old Samuel Suarez is found dead in his Barclay hotel room. Each victim's throat is slashed from ear to ear, and in most cases, sliced down to the spine, leaving them nearly decapitated. And because of that, men on Skid Row give the killer the moniker, the Head Chopper. And while the media dubs him as the Skid Row Slasher, detectives from the LAPD's Slasher Squad are investigating each case in hopes of putting a real name to this killer and putting a stop to his heinous acts. Some of the crime scenes divulge clues. Investigators say the killer takes off his victim's shoes and points the toes toward their feet. He then sprinkles rings of salt around their bodies and leaves behind cups of blood. They believe whoever is killing these men is also ritualistically drinking their blood. For nearly two months, he terrorizes those who call this part of downtown Los Angeles home. All of his victims are considered drifters or transients. All men, all live in and are found dead in the Skid Row area. And because of that, police continue gathering as much evidence as they can on Skid Row. That is, until his killing grounds and his pattern veers. The culprit, known as the Skid Row Slasher, bucks his decade-long tradition and leaves the area brimming with his prime choice of victim. But he doesn't travel across the country. This time, he ventures just a few miles east of downtown. Two days following his last kill on Skid Row, the Slasher targets the famed Hollywood. On January 29th, 1975, 45-year-old George Frias, a hotel catering clerk, is discovered inside his Hollywood apartment. Like the other slasher victims, his neck is so severely cut that he's almost decapitated. Police immediately link this murder to the Skid Row slasher killings based on the method of operation, also known as his M.O., and his next victim is just a half mile away in East Hollywood. On January 31st, Clyde Hay, a 34-year-old mechanic for the National Cash Register Company, is found dead inside his apartment. And with this, the police warn LA residents that the killer's break in geographic pattern means he could strike anywhere. Meanwhile, the 18-man slasher squad continues their hunt for the Skid Row slasher, now looking beyond the area where his murders originally earned him his infamous nickname. It's a manhunt LAPD detectives deem as the most intense since the Charles Manson murders. Those murders occurred just a couple of years earlier in the summer of 1969, and among those victims was actress Sharon Tate. But Deputy Chief George Beck calls out the Skid Row slasher as a jackal and, quote, a sexually impotent coward who hides in the dark and preys on weaklings, venting his own feeling of worthlessness 
on hapless derelicts and down and outers. Based off at least one eyewitness account, their prime suspect is a man who's six feet tall, 190 pounds, in his 20s, with a prominent nose and stringy collar length, dirty blonde hair. The LAPD puts out a bulletin featuring an artist's sketch of who they believe is the Skid Row slasher. On January 31st, police arrest six men matching that physical description. All are questioned and all are released. Then there's one more arrest. Between January 31st and February 2nd, 1975, homes in the Hollywood Hills are under attack by hatchet and knife-wielding man who's assaulting and burglarizing residents, including Kenneth Ricker and William Graham Jr., who are attacked inside Graham's home. 31-year-old Von Oren Greenwood is arrested for assault and burglary on February 3rd, 1975, just days after the final slashing murder. Then the killing seemingly comes to an abrupt halt. With patrol units keeping tabs on the Hollywood and Skid Row areas, LAPD Commander Peter Hagen says it's possible the slasher is laying low while waiting for the opportunity to kill again. Or he says it's also possible that he left the LA area altogether. Although they haven't heard of killings with the same signatures or MO in other cities or states. By March, 1975, police chief Ed Davis says with confidence, they have the right guy in custody and he's been detained and behind bars since February 3rd. It's the same man they say broke into two homes in Hollywood, Von Oren Greenwood. And in July, Greenwood stands trial for burglary and assault with a deadly weapon for the Hollywood Hills break-ins. He's convicted, and in September of 1975, he's sentenced to 32 years to life behind bars. But he would have another day in court just a few months later. In January of 1976, Greenwood, who's already serving time for the Hollywood Hills crimes, is indicted again, but this time for murder, multiple murders, all attributed to the Skid Row slasher. He's indicted on 11 counts of murder, stemming back to the first two murders in 1964 on Skid Row and nine murders spanning two months between December of 1974 and January of 1975, seven of those on Skid Row and two in Hollywood. During his trial, the state presents evidence collected from the crime scenes, including multiple bloody footprints. Police criminologist James Anderson testifies that a black shoe worn by Greenwood made the print inside Robert Tex Shanahan's hotel room. He also tells the jury that the other shoes found in Greenwood's belongings could have made the partial prints found at four other killing sites, although he admits he cannot be positive. However, during cross-examination by defense attorney, Deputy Public Defender Charles Gessler, the police criminologist also testifies that none of Greenwood's shoes could have made the print found at the final crime scene in Hollywood. 
a man from Skid Row also testifies, although he never takes a stand in court, 27-year-old drifter Jimmy Anaya is videotaped for two hours giving his witness statement. He recounts the moments leading up to and following the murder of David Perez on December 22, 1974. He walks over to the bushes by the downtown library. As he inches closer, he hears a moan. It sounds like someone is struggling to scream. And that's when he sees it, the knife. The steel blade reflects off the streetlight just before it slices into David Perez's throat. Deep red gushes from his wound. The man holding the knife locks eyes with Jimmy. He's a tall, skinny, white man with long, stringy, shaggy blonde hair, and he has a scar on his left cheek. The assailant chases Jimmy off of the library property, and as he bolts for his life, running away from the scene, Jimmy loses his wallet, and later he gets a phone call warning him to keep his mouth shut or else. But that suspect, the man they created a composite sketch for and the man police searched for, looks nothing like the man sitting at the defense table. Greenwood is black with short-cut hair. Psychiatrist testifies, however, that the blonde-haired man reminds Jimmy of a gang leader he knew years earlier. And the psychiatrist explains to the jury that Jimmy substituted that man's face in his mind for the man he saw committing the murder at the library. Over the course of the six-week-long trial, Greenwood does not testify in his own defense. And after six days of deliberation, the jury finds Greenwood guilty on nine of the 11 counts of murder, including eight of the nine 1970s slayings, as well as one of the two 1960s murders. The jury is deadlocked on the other two counts of murder, one from each decade. The judge declares a mistrial for those two. On January 19, 1977, Von Oren Greenwood goes before the judge on his 33rd birthday. His eyes are fixated on the wall. His face is still. He stands next to his public defender with his hands folded in front of him. He shows no emotion as the judge speaks. Before sentencing the convicted serial killer, Superior Court Judge Earl Brody says, quote, he suffers from something I can't describe which compels him to cut the throats of his victims. And with that, the judge hands down his sentence, nine life terms behind bars, with the hope that Greenwood is never again released into society. And he isn't. He's never granted freedom nor given one moment outside prison gates ever again. Greenwood spends the next 43 years of his life at California Men's Colony until December 18, 2020, when he dies at the age of 76. 
But the story detailing the horror he inflicted on the streets of LA Skid Row lives on. This Day in Crime is a production of Tenderfoot TV in partnership with Odyssey, produced in association with Burning Mountain Productions. Today's episode is hosted and written by me, Jessica Knoll. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Todd McComas and I are co-executive producers. Our lead producer is Dennis Cooper. The episode is edited and sound designed by Dayton Cole. John Street and Tracy Kaplan are the supervising producers, along with additional production by Sean Nurney and Jordan Foxworthy. Original music by Makeup and Vanity Set. The cover art is by Byron McCoy and Isabella Maxey. Special thanks to the team at UTA, Beck Media and Marketing, and The Nord Group. Sources for today's episode can be found in the show notes, and you can follow us on social media at This Day in Crime. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. See you next Saturday. Thanks for listening to this episode of This Day in Crime. The show is released every day, Monday through Saturday. For ad-free listening and exclusive bonus content, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. 